Did you know that some relationships can become so painful that you must retreat while implementing self-protective measures to prevent from being hurt again? Did you also know that the unintended consequence is that the strategies for protection can also imprison you from what is happening to you? And that is the case with Mabel. Her husband was harming her, so she did what any of us would do. But in time, her fortress became her prison. I was thinking about this the other day when I was reading this quote from Frederick Beekner. He said this, The troubling with steeling yourself against the harshness of reality is that the same steel that secured your life against being destroyed secures your life also against being opened up and transformed. I want to talk about that by sharing with you a, it is a case study, and unfortunately, it is real life. I have counseled several couples that have gone through this. Some ended well, some did not end well. But there is a problem that when we, we, we protect ourselves, we use appropriate and even biblical measures to escape the harsh realities in our lives, but then in time, the escaping mechanism and where we ended up becomes our prison. And so I want to fictionalize this case study, even though it's too true for too many of us about Biff and Mabel. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas. I'm very glad that you are here. If you want to read this podcast, I have an article on our website. Here's the title, When the Thing That Protects You Becomes Your Prison. I have an infographic as well, because in one counseling case where I was working through this exact thing many years ago, I sketched it out for the couple, or maybe the individual, I don't remember because it's been so long ago and it's so many counseling cases that I don't remember the exact couple. But I do remember this infographic, and as I sketched it out on my iPad, what I typically do, as many of you know, I I take those sketches and I turn them into infographics. I graphically enhance them so that I can use them in instructional, in training, whether with our mastermind students or public speaking, or in an article like this. And so if you want to, just go to the article when the thing that protects you becomes your prison, and you can look at this infographic. I'm going to describe it the best that I can to walk you through the four quadrants of this graphic. But before I get to that, let me give you a little bit of a of a biography of Biff and Mabel. Mabel is married to an angry man. The dream she dreamed during their dating season turned into a decade-long nightmare. I have a book called Get Get Ready. It is a marriage book, and it's appropriate for those who are thinking about marriage and those who are married. I highly recommend it. I was meeting with a couple a couple of weeks ago over dinner, and they were thinking about getting married, and I gave them a copy of this book because it is essential teaching for anyone that's thinking about marriage. It is the accumulation of all the marriage counseling that I've done over the years. And so what I did is I just took some of the main ideas from all the marriage counseling that I have done, and then I backed it up to, like, what would I want to give a couple who they're not married yet. They're planning on getting married. And so I backed it up to pre-marriage and said, hey, read this and work through the action items at the end of each chapter 
but this book is also for marriage. For those of you who are in it now and you need marriage help, this is one of the more practical marriage books that I think that you would ever read. And so Mabel, you know, she dreamed this dream. It was during the dating season, and it turned into a decade-long nightmare. And I, I just want to give the biggest caution that I can for couples that are getting married that you really do due diligence. I'm not trying to scare you off. I'm not trying to end your courtship whatsoever, but I do want you to think as clearly as you can, and that's why I do commend this book to you. Because after Mabel got married to Biff, she realized Biff is nothing like what he presented himself to be. And Mabel is not even sure if he ever was a good guy. You know, I've called the dating season that artificial season when people fake each other out until they get married. And no matter how much you think you do know the other person, you do not know the other person like you will until until after you get married. And I don't want to throw fear. I don't want to create a a fear-based thoughts about dating and getting married, married, but I do want people to think as clearly as they possibly can. Mabel said it was so long ago, the dating season, and he has hurt her so often that his anger regularly displaces the good she tries to hold on to when thinking about their marriage. And at her wits' end and disconnected from her local church, Mabel made the gut-wrenching decision to take her three children and move in with her parents. Biff was devastated. From every perspective, Biff seemed like a distant, cold, and uncaring man. And I would say that the majority of the situations where a wife has left a husband in the context in which I've just presented to you, it does devastate the man. Uh, He seemed like that distant, cold, uncaring man until she flipped the switch off and walked out of the house. Most of their friends assumed that Biff would continue his drinking, flirting, and life would move on for him. He did the exact opposite. He fell apart. When Biff came to counseling, he appeared to be your average, broken, crying man who wanted his wife back. When Mabel came with him, the real truth came out. Biff wept and pleaded for Mabel to come back home with him. She scowled at him in contempt and disgust. She had no intention of coming back with him. I am sure that some of you who are listening to this podcast are thinking that Biff was not sincere and that he had not fully repented. I also imagine that you think he was more about himself rather than his wife. You could be possibly, probably right. I mean, it could go either way, and I've seen both situations in marriage counseling when it's pretty much exactly like what I've described here. I've seen them to where their repentance was truly genuine, and they did eventually restore, and they are happily married today. And then I've seen others who just went into what Biff is doing here, same as those who were, who were restored, but yet the guy was not genuine. I think of one particular case where the husband was doing this after his wife left and she was send, he was sending her flowers and showing up at her work and sending her cards and buying her things. And I tried my best to talk him down from this. Stop doing this, I said. 
as I explained to him, you have the world's worst breath, and everything that you do smells bad because she is a cynic. She is suspicious of you. Well, he kept on doing that, and she kept on rebuffing him, and then finally what he did is he keyed her car. He took his car keys, and he it was a BMW, I believe, and, and from bumper to bumper, he just scratched all the way down her car because he was so ticked off. In this case, his repentance was not genuine. Now, I sensed it also in this relationship. But let's suppose, just for this podcast, that Biff had a genuine encounter with God, because it does happen. I know some of you listen to this podcast that you've been hurt so often by someone that it's hard for you to escape from the repercussions of what happened to you, and therefore you are that cynic. In fact, this podcast could very well be for you because you too are in a prison. I see this so often, especially among women, that they go through a horrific relationship and they become bitter, cynical. They overreact to what happened to them. They don't have sovereign clarity and they're not free from what happened to them, even though they may be free from their husband's. But for this podcast, let's suppose that Biff had had a genuine encounter with God, and the Lord has miraculously changed his heart. Let's further assume that he is genuinely humble and has completely cleaned and has come completely clean about his life, and he wants God to restore him, and then he wants to make things right with his wife and his children. Now, for this fictional case study, let's further suppose that Mabel is unwilling to get a divorce, and her being in counseling with him indicates that there is a fraction of hope in her soul. But she has a hard time believing that Biff is genuine. I mean, who wouldn't? I will tell you from personal experience that it takes a long time for some people to get over, let's say, adultery, over a deep hurt. My first wife committed adultery, and honestly, the reverberations of that still continues 30 years later. It is a regular talking point between Lucia and me. It's something that happens to you that is deep and dramatic and profound, and it, it, it shakes you, it tears you down to your core, and it is hard to come back from that, and you have to do a lot of work with God so that you don't end up in that prison, so that I do not end up in that prison after going through such a deep hurt. But she has a hard time believing Biff is genuine. Again, who would not? The hurt was so deep, and the fear of him went on for too long. Mabel is in a trap. She cannot get out of it. She does not want to leave her marriage, but she does not want to stay in it either. She is choosing to wait it out for the children. Her thought is that living her thought is that having a dad for the kids in the home, even an angry one like Biff, is better than no dad at all. However, for the sake of this case study, Biff is not that dad any longer. He has genuinely repented. But Mabel is in a trap. Now to help Mabel, what I've done here is I've drawn a picture. 
And again, I have this infographic embedded inside of this article. The title of the article is, When the Thing That Protects You Becomes Your Prison. You can type the word thing that protects, or words, or you can type the words becomes your prison. You don't have to type the whole thing in our search box, but if you can't find it, just type some combination of those words and it will pop up for you. And so what I've done is I've sketched out on my iPad that now is in this infographic embedded in this article, and so I'm going to try to describe it for you. There are four quadrants on the graphic, and they read from top left to right, from bottom left to bottom right. Here we go. Top left quadrant is a picture. It's during their dating season. Mabel was footloose and fancy free. All things were going her way as she was having fun and in love. And that's fine. That's the way dating should be. Honestly, that's the way marriage should be. She and Bill were happy, hoping, planning for a beautiful life together. And so that is the top left quadrant. It shows two people who are happy and they are in love. And then we move over to the right side of the graphic at the top. Shortly after their marriage, the real life began to manifest. Fear replaced fun. Mabel had the uneasy feeling that she was not free any longer. Biff's anger, his neglect, his passivity, his blaming, gaslighting, his bouts with porn, long hours at work were like flaming arrows into her soul. Initially, the arrows were not consistent, but they came with more force and velocity and regularity as time went on. Each shaft of these flaming arrows had a stinging effect. Mabel was confused and in disbelief. And so imagine yourself standing in, a, in, in close quarters with someone, and there's no escape. You're in a room, and they're shooting arrows at you. What would you do? And so that is the top right of this infographic. Biff is very large in this marriage. Mabel is shrinking by the day. Every time, she, every time that she receives one of his arrows, one of his uh, anger responses, she shrivels up. She is shrinking, trying to protect herself from what he is doing to her. And then we move to the bottom left of the graphic. After many disappointments and a growing fear of Biff, Mabel began to take action. She protected herself. Now, again, who wouldn't? You would, I would, any sane person would protect themselves. There is no blame. There's no negative to this as far as Mabel's response. This is a normal, instinctive, sane response that anyone would have. Mabel became more guarded and distant around Biff. Rather than being vulnerable, spontaneous, and hopeful, she battened down the hatches. The unintended consequence was a form of emotional incarceration. Because of Bill's preoccupation with his self-centeredness, he never knew how he was demotivating his wife. And, and you know, this is a huge point, by the way. I, I would appeal to not just, not just husbands here, but also wives, uh, that, that you, you ask clear direct questions 
carefully, that you want to learn from your spouse, how are you motivating or demotivating your spouse? Again, husband or wife should be asking these questions. This is something that you should be talking about. Often, uh, Lucia and I go on a date, or we're not dating. We're just here at the house. And this is a question that will be asked. You know, how how can I serve you more effectively? Are, are the things that I am doing that really do not help? Are, are there ways that I can change? These are honest self-evaluation self-evaluating questions that you want your spouse to ask. Now, if your marriage is not in a place to where you can even ask these questions, then you're in a bad spot and you better get some help because it's not going to get any better. If you can't get to the place where you can ask these self-evaluating questions that the other spouse answers for you, then you are in a bad spot. But Biff was preoccupied with his self-centeredness. He never knew how demotivating he was to his wife. And that's why when she clicked the light off and walked out the door for that last time, he was devastated. As, As stark and dark as his ignorance was, the light of her leaving, it was such a contrast that it knocked him not down a peg or two, that it absolutely flattened him because he was that ignorant of what he was doing to his wife, and he never figured it out until she left. Now, as sadly, Mabel did not realize what she had done to her own soul, the actions that she took to save herself, which, again, you do not blame her for doing this. In a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with this. But listen, when we do things like this, even for self-protective reasons, we have to think about the backside liabilities or the unintended consequences. The actions she took to save herself from the pain in her marriage imprisoned her. And this brings us to the Beekner quote. He said, the trouble with stealing yourself against the harshness of reality is that the same steel that secured your life against being destroyed secures your life also against being opened and transformed. Mabel became a prisoner of her own devices and never saw it coming. Today, she lives in the weird dual world of the hurt cynic. Her husband has legitimately sinned against her, and she has become a cynic, a suspicious person, as a measure to protect herself from being hurt again. Her struggle is complex, and you can't just think about this on the surface level. If you think about it in a superficial way, you'll not get into the complexities of her heart and help her to live in the freedom that is neither the life of a cynic And it might not be the life of a a mean husband, assuming if Biff had not changed, but for this podcast, he has fully repented. So her struggle is complex. On the outside are relentless arrows from a mean man. On the inside, she has become a shell of what she used to be. Cynicism is a distant criticism. 
It is the person who has been hurt by religion, and finally, after years, they come back to religion, and they attend a church meeting after a decade. They sit on the back row with their arms crossed, looking down their nose over the rim of their glasses. They are there. They are in the meeting But it's not intimate. It is distant, even though they are there among the fellowship. You see, the cynic is never intimate, but rather always observing from a distance. You might not even know that there's a cynic in the building on Sunday morning, because you could assume that because they are in the building with the people, that they are like you, enjoying the meeting, enjoying one another, because It appears to be a form of intimacy, but yet it is a false intimacy because of what's going on inside of them. The cynic offers their observations about a matter, but they do not engage what they are critiquing. It's like Mabel. She's offering her observations about what has gone on with Biff, what had happened in the marriage, but she's not going to engage the marriage. That is the position, or Biff, that is the position of a cynic. And the reason the cynic cannot see the issue is because of a fear of being hurt again. This is a presuppositional problem, meaning that the lenses through which, the glass lenses through which Mabel is looking at Biff is through a presupposition, a colored lens of fear and a lack of desire to ever be vulnerable again. Therefore, what happens, she becomes cynical and suspicious and fear-laden. She has steeled herself away from Biff, and that same steel has has captured her. Her critique demonstrates that she not only knows what is going on in her marriage, but is not involved. It is merely an appearance. Mabel is choosing the best, and best is in quotation marks, the best of two horrible options. Option number one, let Biff hurt her. No, absolutely no way. No one should counsel this. Go back into the marriage and be hurt again. No. But then the other option, live the life of a bitter cynic. And so choose your prison. Neither one of those should be options. Either Biff repents and they work on the marriage, and if the marriage does not continue, Mabel cannot be part of those Facebook groups that's full of shrill former spouses who are imprisoned and do not even know it. But Mabel chooses cynicism. Neither of these options is an exercise of faith in God. These are exercises of self-reliance. In Mabel's case, she is relying on herself She relied on herself to escape and to steal away. And because of her self-reliance, rather than trusting God, now again, don't hear that trusting God means going back. Trusting God may mean that, but it definitely does not mean going to prison. Mabel is the one, the self-reliant one, who is deciding how to respond to the sin in her world. She is self-reliant. 
And that brings us to the bottom right hand or the right side of the graphic, the bottom right. What you have here is it's called restoration. Restoration is Biff and, Mar Biff and Mabel coming together, uh, reconciled to each other, reconciled to God. Regardless of whether the arrows ever cease, Mabel must be rescued from her self-imposed incarceration. Initially, during the dating season, she trusted Biff, and Biff failed her. Next, she believed in her strategies to protect herself, but those strategies have failed her too. Now it's time for her to trust God. Currently, Biff controls her. God does not. And what I mean by that, the fact that she is cynical and angry and suspicious and fear-laden, those are not things that God does to us. Those are the things that God allows us to escape from. But Bilf is very big in her life, and that is why she is stealed away. She is relying on herself because she's afraid of Bilf. Bilf is big, and God is very small. What Bilf may do to her far outweighs her willingness to trust God to pull her out of this prison. She is choosing a self-imposed penalty box over the freedom found in the gospel. She needs to be under the control of God rather than the sinful actions of her husband or fear-based measures to protect herself. Do you see the two ditches that she has jumped into? The first one was the marriage ditch to a mean man. She ran out of that ditch and jumped and ran across the road, jumped in the other ditch of self-reliance, and now she is incarcerated, and we know that by the effect that it has on her soul, her cynicism, her anger, her fear, uh, the way that she communicates, that is not the communication, the behavior, and the action of someone who's under the control of God. She's still under the control of Biff, even though she's in the other ditch in her self-imposed prison. God provides incredible grace that can sustain any person through any trial. I'm not saying this theoretically. I'm not saying it as a billboard or a bumper sticker. I have walked down this road, and I have been in both of those ditches, and I know that what I am saying is factual. God does provide incredible grace that can sustain any person through any trial. Our goal in life must not be to remove all the disappointment from our lives, and sometimes that is the only option that we will, that we will accept, that all the disappointment will be removed from our lives, or a particular disappointment will be removed from our lives. And that was the case with me. I could live with just about anything, but there was one thing that I could not live with, and that was my demand to God that he remove this particular disappointment out of my life, and he never did. He was using the trouble in my life to teach me to rely on him instead of relying on myself. If we attempt to move all the disappointment or a particular specific disappointment from our lives, we will become incarcerated cynics, trapped by our hopes for peace. Our goal must be 
to learn how to trust God even when life hurts and does not make sense. The title of this podcast is When the Thing That Protects You Becomes Your Prison. I have several webinars. If you're in this situation, there's there's a few things I want you to do. One, in Mabel's case here, in this fictional account, her church was not helping her. But I'm going to think the best here and that your church will help you. One, you need to go First, first call to action is talk to a leader at your church and find the help that you need. Now, if you're in my situation where my church could not help me, did not help me, because quite frankly, they did not know how. I'm not saying that accusationally or in a condemning way. I'm just saying it as a factual way. They did not know how, and they were honest with that. And so, but you, and so, if that is the case with you, you can find help somewhere else. I would appeal to you to jump on our free community forums and ask us. We're not a counseling ministry; we are an equipping ministry. We equip people to go out and help others. But if this is where you are right now, though, we can't give you full-on counseling, our undivided attention, uh, like a counselee would have. We can give you direction. We can give you advice, and so I would encourage you to come and let us guide you to help you through this. You have to. Uh, You need help to get out of that prison. And then secondly, I want you to watch at at least two of our webinars. One is on overcoming self-reliance. I have it here embedded in the call to action. And then Number two, watch the webinar on overcoming the fear of man, where a person is big and God is small, and work through those two resources along with permitting us to guide you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, When the Thing That Protects You Becomes Your Prison. Let us know how we can serve you further. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.